Hi, I'm Charlie. I'm Joseph. And I'm Spencer. Welcome back to the Church Closet. We have trust issues with our technology, but we don't have trust issues with you. I don't think that not trusting something is, is trust issues. <laughs> if it's not good, you know? <laughs> On this episode of the Church Closet, we tackle the question of, does counseling help you, or do you think that it would? We never figured out who's going first. I'll do it. Yay! So, to begin, what we're not going to be talking about, or maybe discuss, but not in a affirming way, conversion therapy. That is not what we're talking about here. Um, we've said it before, we're going to say it again. We are against it um, due to multiple reasons. I think we may go into that later, if not. The coercive nature, the, from what I can tell, not scientifically or especially biblically groundedness of it. Mm-hmm. But there's also, I don't know much about it, but it's not what I'm looking into. And from what I've heard, it's more, you're trying to take away a sin by adding more sin, like making you watch straight porn, so that you're not gay anymore. And that's still a sin, like, it's still a sexual sin too, so it's a, it's not right, and it's not, it's not beneficial whatsoever. So that's not what we're talking about here. Yeah. Satan is the one who wants to cure your sin with another sin. That is not Jesus's avenue for healing and redemption. So, now that we got that out of the way, would slash does counseling help me? It depends on what the subject is. For anxiety and depression, it has helped some. I've gotten a lot of grounding techniques from them. Um, however, that's about all I've gotten from counseling so far. I'm actually in the search for another counselor. I have finally got a psychiatrist that has given me uh, some more tools to combat my anxiety and depression. Um, so now I'm trying to find a counselor that can be more specific towards my needs. You know, bypass the grounding techniques in the first 10 sessions uh, because I've heard them and they do work sometimes, but I need a little bit more than that. As for like same-sex attraction, I haven't really dealt with that in counseling because I have actual mental illnesses that I want to focus on than just same-sex attraction. Um, I believe that same-sex attraction is more for your spiritual walk, more for you to be in accountability with somebody else. Um, if that's your counselor, I mean, that kind of crosses a little bit of boundaries there sometimes, but if you want to just start by talking to your counselor because you don't feel safe talking to anybody else, have a starting point. That's perfectly fine. But I do suggest getting another accountability partner out there just so that you can work through that. Yeah. So all in all, I believe that counseling is good and it can be useful because it can give you tools that you need. If not for same-sex attraction, but at least for like anxiety, depression, um, PTSD, CPTSD, eating disorders, self-harm, etc., etc., etc. There are multiple tools that can help you. And sometimes it's just good to have a person that is not connected to you that can give you a unbiased opinion on the problems and help you figure those out without having that bias of being your friend or family member or pastor or something. What criteria do you use while looking for a counselor? Well, there are many different counselors out there. There are biblical counselors, there are integrative counselors, there are Christian counselors, there are um, non-religious counselors, there's DBT, there's CBT, 
there's multiple different ways you can go about getting help. And really what you need to do is figure out what do you want out of a counseling session? Do you want these grounding techniques? Do you want religion to be integrated into the counseling session? Do you want a male or female counselor? Do you want one to be on video? Do you want one to be face-to-face? Both. Take all those into consideration, as well as budget. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, counseling can sometimes be expensive, but um, some counseling centers do work with a pay scale. Um, so if you don't have insurance, then they can help you find a pay scale based on income, um, based on household size and everything else. Some will work with you to give you as many sessions as you're able to pay for in a given time period. They're able and willing to work with you. You just have to look it up. So all of those things would have to go into what you want. For me personally, I would love to have one that's a religious integration that also is not purely religious. So someone that can look at the scientific backgrounds and psyche and then integrate biblical information in there. Um, reason I say this is because biblical counseling, some people can go too far and say that, well, you're grieving and you have this sin, um, or you're grieving and you're facing this loss because of your sin. And that's not always true. <laughs> um, yes, sin can cause a lot of problems in our physical world. However, sometimes it's the sins of others that have left you traumatized. It's not always your sin. That you need to work through something. So I'm a little cautious about just pure biblical counseling. There are some great biblical counselors out there. I myself am certified, not licensed, but certified to do biblical counseling. But yeah, I would more rather have someone that does more to scientific backgrounds with some religious integration in there. Um, that way I know that I have biblical backing for what's going on. But ultimately, the decision is up to you as to what you want. There's a weird side to counseling where you are looking for someone who is a good match for you and who uses an approach that will be specifically beneficial to you. Some people need the more scientific side. Some people need the more Christian-focused side. And, you know, some people need in between. But then... If you find what you need but not the right person, be willing to be picky about finding a counselor so that you have someone that you trust, that you can connect with. I've had people go to a counselor and say that, like, that, yeah, the counselor just tries to fix my problems and I don't actually feel hurt. Okay, that is a reason to find a new counselor. I instinctively don't trust my counselor. Okay, that can be a reason to find a new counselor. Some people have trauma with men, some people have trauma with women, and that can affect whether or not you should have a male or female counselor. I have not done counseling myself, but I find myself recommending it to a lot of people. And the guidelines I generally use are any person can benefit from counseling, almost any person. If you get the right counselor, any person can benefit from it. That can also include not official counselor categories like mentorship, life coaching, people to help you on your journey. And I have pursued being mentored in the past. Uh, So any person can consider that. When people have mental illness like depression, anxiety, those can be good reasons to get counseling 
and or medication so that you have someone who officially knows what you're going through and can give you practical real-life guidance. And a good counselor in those settings prepares you to handle these difficulties on their own, not so that you need a therapist for the next 10 years of your life, but so that you become more and more self-sufficient in handling your struggles and your difficulties. There does come a point where I believe somebody needs counseling, and that's when self-harm is involved, that's when substance abuse is involved, whether it's over-dependence on alcohol or over-dependence on illicit substances, whether actually illegal drugs or legal drugs. Over-dependence is just not healthy. And when your life is falling apart because you can't get control over something. Some people, that's been pornography. Some people, that's been video games. Some people, that's gambling. If you have a thing that's causing the entire rest of your life to fall apart, then go to counseling and get that thing taken care of. It's worth the money. It's worth the inconvenience. One of the things I want more people, but I've said it before, I think, on the podcast, but I want us to be the person who will get help. Because we often advocate for checking on your friends, making sure they're okay. Hey, how are you doing? Hey, you've been smiling a lot lately. Are you actually happy? Hey, you've been sad a lot lately. What's going on? Hey, I haven't heard you from you in a while. How, how's it going, buddy? And it's good to be the friend that checks on other people. But I want you to be the person who gets help. Because if others are willing to be the person that gets help, then we have more people getting help. I am willing to get counseling if I need it. I am willing to get the help I need. It can be difficult to find and it can take work to get there. But one of the reasons I don't feel like my life is spiraling out of control is that I know that if I need it, I can get help. And that I'm willing to take that help. So if you need help, be willing to take it. Whether it's professional help or help from a parent or help from a friend, help from a member of the church, um, especially with mental illness, the first step is often the hardest. Just getting the first appointment made, actually no, finding someone that you might want to make an appointment with. But all you really have to do is sometimes call or you can use your website. Just ask, do you accept my insurance? And you have openings. And if the answer is yes to both of those, then you may as well try it unless there's a red flag. I almost asked if that made sense, but none of you are verbally able to respond to me right now. <laughs> that makes sense. Oh, good. I was worried. <laughs> Some of the reasons I haven't pursued counseling and why I have pursued being mentored is that depression and anxiety aren't a consistent part of my life. I've had some depression. I have had some anxiety, but they're not consistently there. And I'm consistently able to either take care of them or talk it over with friends. Because fun fact, healthy relationships can often keep you from needing counseling. Like having friends and family that you can rely on, who are predictably safe for you, who will tell you when you need to improve something, and who you can ask to change if they're doing something that hurts you. Like all of these things make up an environment where you're not getting hurt constantly. 
So the reason to, to sort of summarize, the reason I haven't gone to counseling because of my same sex attraction is because it isn't tied to depression, anxiety, or other severe problems in my life. And secular counseling isn't particularly equipped to deal with same-sex attraction outside of that. There's going to be a lot of affirming that, yeah, you do you, and things that I don't theologically agree with. But beyond that, it's because it's not a traumatic experience for me to have same-sex attraction to be gay, it's not worth paying that much out of pocket for. Um, Mentoring, on the other hand, has been going to Christian leaders and being willing to learn from them and being willing to be open and honest about what God is doing in my life and what sin is trying to do in my life. A good mentor isn't just going to be the guy in the background yelling at you not to do sin anymore, but also someone who sees what God is doing in your life and encourages you in that direction. So the mentors I've had who I've talked to about my same-sex attraction, they haven't all had same-sex attraction themselves, but they've all been willing to see God. And they don't they haven't let my sin define me. And if a mentor is letting your sin define you, then you need a new mentor. Or you at least need a conversation with your mentor of, hey, look for Jesus and join his work in my life. Because I could stop doing any ministry related to same-sex attraction and God would still be working in my life. Same-sex attraction isn't my life. It is something, it is one area where God is working. But I've chosen this direction because same-sex attraction, while it hasn't been traumatic, is still a sin I struggle with. And having biblical mentors who can encourage me who can talk to me about what it's like having that struggle, who can talk about what a healthy marriage looks like, if that's something I pursue. And if it's not something I pursue, then who can talk to me about what godly singleness looks like? Not enough people talk about what godly singleness looks like. It's really undervalued within the church. So when I have mentors who do value it, it is amazing. Because I don't want my one hope for life and success and following Jesus to be finding a wife. I bring this up every once in a while just because I think I think people consistently need to hear it as often as they're told that they need to go ahead and get married to cure all their problems. That said, I'm not the best at opening up. Joseph is making a face at me. A very loud face. A very judgmental face. What? Never. Yeah, no, he tells the truth, though. Yeah, I'm used to having to figure out, not having to, I'm used to figuring out problems on my own. And so why would I talk to someone else about what I can figure out on my own? But the reality is we figure things out better when we work as a team. Both having people that I can lean on and having people who lean on me. That in general is far healthier than me being isolationist in my struggle against sin and pursuit of Jesus. What about you, Spencer? Yeah, I've uh, I've done counseling. Um, and by I've done counseling, I mean I've been on both sides of the uh, the counseling experience. And I like talking about it in the context of things like mentoring and biblical counseling and confession uh, because there's a lot of continuity between them. At some point, people started talking about counseling and kind of 
mystical terms. Like it was the kind of a mysterious or even sacred process. Oh, you should go to counseling. And there's a lot of apprehension that people bring into a counseling office because it has scientific respectability and it has a familiar process to it. And you don't exactly know how the process works, but you kind of submit yourself to it. You open up and uh, surrender your deepest, darkest secrets to someone. And that's a very emotionally vulnerable thing to do. But I can say, I'd say pretty confidently that the things that go on in a counseling office are the same things that go on every day in most every coffee shop in America, every uh, pastor's office, every home around a dinner table. Not exactly the same things, uh, but very, very similar. And far from that being me saying, oh, counseling isn't important, that's why counseling is so important. Because it does the things that genuine relationships should also be doing. Encouraging you, strengthening you, focusing you on the problems that you need to solve affirming you, uh, challenging you. Those are the things that go on in the counseling office. Um, and there's plenty of research that's been done on what makes counseling effective and by far and away the number one thing that predicts whether or not someone will get better as a result of counseling is the warmth, the love, and the affirmation they receive from their therapist. So things like uh, like Charlie was talking about, the match between you and your counselor can be pretty important, making sure you find someone who you kind of resonate with a little bit. Not entirely, um, because at the same time, uh, I am very uncomfortable opening up to anyone. So any counselor I'd feel a little uncomfortable with, but I know the difference between like, is that me or is it just not something that I'm, or am I just not uh, vibing with the counselor that I've picked? But I've also gotten a lot of, of benefit out of learning from older, more mature Christians of seeking out people who can help me and opening up to them, maintaining close relationships where I can be honest and uh, confess whether it's just my sins or my insecurities to people in my life. And that is a lot of the same emotional work that counseling does. <laughs> so yes, counseling does help me and it would help me if I, uh, if I went back into a formal counseling office, which I haven't been in in a while, but I have nothing but respect for the technique. I, I have the experience, and I wonder if you guys have the same thing, where um, it's just really hard to open up to counselors, and it's doubly so when it's about matters of your sexuality. And that's made worse, I guess, if you feel like what you want out of your sexuality or what you think a good life is, doing the right thing is, is different than what a counselor does. We've talked a little bit already about, okay, there's different kinds of counselors, but specifically, what do you guys think about the the difference between um, biblical or Christian counselors and secular counselors when it comes to something like same-sex attraction? Yeah, so I'm cautious to both of them. Um, yep. <laughs> <laughs> I think Charlie hit it right on the head about the secular counselors of they will say, you do you, and you're perfectly fine. Whereas in my belief is... The action, not necessarily the thoughts, not necessarily the feelings, the actions upon what I feel and what I think are a sin. And so if I'm being affirmed, it's like, oh no, you're perfectly fine. That's natural. That's fine. You know, you're just going with what, you know, they might even change it up and saying, well, you're just going with what God gave you. And I'm just like, no, it's a sin that Satan has contorted in my mind and that was born with but it's still a sin. Like, 
we all we are all born with sinners. You won't tell a, a serial killer that is born with the predisposition to kill people and say, "Oh, but that's just something God has given you, so you go ahead and do that." No, you won't. On the flip side, the biblical counselor. Well, you just need to go get married, and then that will fix everything. I think Charlie again. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, same thoughts exactly. It doesn't work. <laughs> it just doesn't. No matter how long in the engagement I was in, it didn't go away. Because I said it already, a quick update for Joseph. Um, I'm no longer engaged. Um, I will go more into that on a future episode. Um, but just for that, um, know that me and my ex-fiancee are still on very good terms. Um, we're still friends. She is still a wonderful person. It just didn't work out. We felt like God was telling us to go to a different route. And that is perfectly fine. Uh, we are trying to follow God and what we do. But with that being said, throughout the entire engagement, like, it's still, like, it became a back burner, of course. It wasn't like a, oh, I'm shutting the fist every single day. Like, it, it was a thing of, yeah, okay, I can see it slightly getting better, but it didn't cure me. Marriage does not cure anybody. If anything, it might create even more problems. And Spencer, you might say yes or no to that one. I don't know. It depends on what fight you want to get with your wife. <laughs> um <laughs> A biblical counselor might say something like that or tell you to go to conversion therapy to cure the illness. And you got to find a balance between them. That's why um, earlier I said I want to find someone that has a balance of both. That is not 100% affirming, but also it's not condemning to hell either just for having the feeling of it. My shorter version of answering that question is that both sides have their agenda. And depending on the counselor or the person I'm going to, uh, which side is better able and willing to put aside their agenda to actually meet me where I'm at? Okay, I'm not looking for the, oh yeah, you should go get in, into a gay marriage, gay relationship, and all that stuff. I'm not looking for that, so a secular counselor shouldn't force that on me or try to force me in that direction. A Christian counselor or mentor shouldn't push me towards marriage is the solution to all your problems. Or, well, if you really, if you just had faith, all the attraction would disappear and it would be really simple. <laughs> uh, a lot of people have a lot of faith and we still struggle with sin until the day we die. And that's, that's okay. God is still working. He is not done working. So we need counselors who will put aside their extreme views and come meet me where my reality is and if we don't have more in that direction i do have a side tangent that i think we should have fun covering okay which is what are some bad excuses to not get counseling if jesus is your therapist then you should go get a therapist this is oh my gosh so 90 <laughs> percent. i'm gonna back that up some percent of the good that comes out of going to therapy is knowing throughout the week you're going to have to talk about what you do with someone is knowing that someone is going to ask you remember that thing that you brought up and you wanted to discuss we're going to discuss it and if you go throughout your week knowing that 
knowing that you're going to have to talk about um, whether it's the things you wanted to accomplish or your emotional state, knowing that someone's going to ask you about it is is really transformational for the way that you deal with issues that you come across in your day-to-day life. <laughs> but knowing that it means that you can't cut the counselor out of the process. Thinking, okay, just I know what I need to do is not enough because you in, on your own are not very good at holding yourself accountable. If you were, you wouldn't need counseling in the first place. I don't know. You're not, you're, you're barely human. <laughs> mm-hmm. Every person is designed to need help mm-hmm. from others. Right. God did not make any one person and ha- like God said in Genesis, it is not good for man to be alone. So don't isolate yourself from God's people. And when you say that Jesus is my therapist, so I won't get an earthly one, you're saying, I can ignore what God says about me needing other people. I'm going to rely on him so much that I won't need other people. And that just doesn't hold up biblically. It says that we have enough wisdom on our own. We have a close enough relationship with God to not need people. And that's pride talking. And that's probably also shame talking. And it's just flat out not true. None of us is wise enough to not learn from other people. None of us is righteous enough to not need other people. What are other bad excuses to not get I'm trying to think of some. I know there are some of, oh, other people have it worse than I do. Honey, that's your trauma speaking. (laughs) Just because someone might have it worse than you let me put it this way. You see two dogs. One's a Chihuahua and one's a Great Dane. So the Great Dane goes from the mud first and it only comes up to about where the Dewclaw is on his uh, leg. He goes through the mud. He's fine. You know, not too much struggle, whatnot. The Chihuahua goes through the same thing and it's up to its nose. It does make it through it, but it is covered in mud. You both went through the same trauma, but it affected you differently. Someone might be able to walk through it and still go on and be like, ah, okay. Others, it consumes them. Both should still go to counseling. It's like getting that bath after going through the mud. It helps you wash it out. It helps you to process it all, to figure out how do I move forward with this mud. It doesn't matter if someone else has it worse than you. The Great Dane did not look in trouble going, oh, dang, you got dirty. He might look at his feet and go, oh, I did too. And that's okay. So don't use the excuse of, well, someone else has it worse than I do. And you don't have to treat every problem like it's the same. If I get a scratch, I might need a Band-Aid. That doesn't mean I have to go to the hospital for it. If I break an arm, I might have to go to the hospital. And like injury, whether it's physical or mental, should be treated in proportion to what it is. So it doesn't matter... If your trauma is better or worse, less than or more than other people's, what matters is that you get it addressed for what it needs. If I owe $100 and you owe $1,000, we both need to pay that bill. It doesn't matter if one of us owes more. The problem is there and it needs to be addressed. So yeah, you're right. That's not a good excuse. One other excuse. Um... It's relevant to some people, but not everyone. They think, oh, I'm unhappy, but I'm unhappy for entirely situational reasons. If I change my situation, 
I don't need to go to counseling because what I really need to do is get in a relationship or what I really need to do is get a new job or what I really need to do is for some other person in my life to stop being the way that they are and then I'll be happy. There's a shift of what is an internal problem into an external problem. I will tell you this. uh, When you go to a counselor, they'll oftentimes tell you the same thing, Uh, but they'll work with you on those same things. If you say, I'm unhappy because I hate my job and I don't make enough money, well, a counselor can say, all right, what steps do we need to take to get you there? You can say, I'm lonely and I need to get in a relationship. Hopefully a counselor will tell you, like we sometimes tell you is that's not going to make your problems go away. But they can also say, okay, what is a barrier? What are you doing to pursue relationships in your life so you don't feel lonely the way you do? We externalize and we think, oh, if only that. Once I get over this next hill, once I get over this next obstacle, once I get into this next phase, that's going to solve my problem. So my problems aren't that I need to go and work through my emotional issues. Uh, I think you'll find, and most people find, that uh, their problems go with them as they move through the world. If you're deeply and genuinely unhappy where you're at, probably just changing your situation might temporarily make you feel better. But uh, if you have deep-seated issues, you have insecurity, emotional problems, deep loneliness, and if you're not connected to people, that's going to stick with you regardless of a new relationship or a new job or a new situation. So don't let that, don't let kind of externalizing replace the good that uh, dealing with those, those deeper emotional issues can do for you. And a frequently used one is I am too busy. This can work in some situations, but it is overused. If it's I'm too busy right now, I can make time in a month or I can after this project. That can sometimes work, but it depends on the severity of the problem and how quickly it's growing. Because if you do not take time for yourself, the problem will grow and it will seek treatment other ways. Bad coping skills, they're still coping skills, maladaptive coping skills, because they are your body trying to take care of a problem that you refuse to address. People don't turn to drugs and alcohol because they've been taking care of themselves and because things are going right in their lives. It's because, oh, well, it's better than nothing, or they feel like it's better than nothing, and then it makes the problem worse. People don't pick up self-harm just for the fun of it when, when they're living healthy lifestyles, when they're taking care of their needs. It is the body coping for what it has been lacking in a maladaptive form, in a way that causes more problems than it solves. So if you are unwilling to take the time you need for counseling, unwilling to take the time to get help, then the problem will get worse. The problems don't disappear by suppressing them long enough. They just create a problem somewhere else that's harder to deal with. So yeah, being too busy doesn't work. And a thing I hate about our society right now is that is when you have to choose between your job and taking care of yourself, when you have to choose between your job and your family, like, I get it that it's more complicated than, oh, yeah, just do less and it'll be okay. No, sometimes you have to leave the job or actively pursue a better job. Sometimes you do have to change your circumstances and sometimes those circumstances fight being changed. It's not easy. I I wish it were. I'm not here to condemn those of you who want help but haven't been able to. 
I'm just asking, please keep on doing what you can because you need it. Food is my therapist. <laughs> okay, I don't think we actually have to cover that one. <laughs> just know, regardless of what you do about counseling, know that we love you and we care about you. We certainly do. Jesus loves you, and we're trying. Classic, classic, Charlie. Um, yeah, thanks for that. Uh, thanks for all of your wisdom. Uh, that's about all we have time for on this episode of The Church Closet. Thanks for tuning in to us once again. As always, you can send us questions or responses to our email at thechurchcloset at gmail.com. Until next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs>